So I must admit, I was kind of dreading this morning, as an Everton fan, preaching the morning after Liverpool were in the Champions League final. I was like, I'm either going to have to be very, very humble and gracious, or I'm going to have to be very, very self-controlled. I'm being very self-controlled. Um, I thought it was a great match, and I did genuinely think Liverpool were very unlucky. So I'm sorry to all those Reds this morning who were not, not too happy, but you got a lot further than Everton ever will. So uh, I'm going to say nothing. Um, the other reason I was a little bit uh, nervous about this morning is that I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit the week after we've just had a weekend away with Dave Holden, like international speaker, speaking on the Holy Spirit. And if, it, like, I, if you weren't on the weekend away, the talks are going to go online and you will be able to hear them all. But let me assure you, it was a brilliant, brilliant time together. Um, Dave just brought such clarity and wisdom um, and joy, actually, uh, and really gave us a, a brilliant, really a masterclass in just who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, what He, you know, what He brings to us. Um, and yet, my my talk in the in the series we're doing this week is actually on the Holy Spirit. So, like, how do I follow that? It feels a bit like like you get a load of your mates together and you watch the original three Star Wars films, the original trilogy, and then one of your mates at the end, you, you're all high and like, that was so good, I love the old films, and one of your mates at the end says, hey, I've got this knockoff copy of um, the, first pre- the first prequel, should we stick that on as well? And then you stick that on and the, the picture quality is rubbish, and the actors are much more handsome and young and stuff, but the actual quality is nowhere near as good as the, uh, the original ones that you've just watched. So I feel a bit like that this week, Dave's like the original Star Wars, and I'm like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but we'll, try, we'll do my best. But I, I hope I've got some good stuff to add this morning. I'm going to take a bit of a different tack to what Dave did. Um, but actually, to put us in the picture, and for those, I know there's quite a lot of people here this week who weren't at the weekend away, and I do just very briefly want to recap a little bit of what Dave said, because it will help set up what I'm going to bring this morning. So very, very briefly, I hope you can see, I'm sorry that it's sunny today and the screen's not in a great position, but do your best. Um, Dave did three talks. So the first talk was this, telling us, basically introducing us to the person of the Holy Spirit, letting us know that he's, he is fully God and he's present from the very, very beginning. Do you remember, he took us right back into Genesis, Holy Spirit moving on the waters, present and active in creation. Um, and actually what he comes to do uh, is he reveals the Godhead to us. When we talk about the Godhead, that's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The, Father, uh, the God in his entirety the Holy Spirit is active in revealing that to us. The Holy Spirit tells us that God is our Father. Remember that verse? He whispers to us, Abba, Father. It's through the Holy Spirit that we can recognize God as our Father. And it is the Holy Spirit that glorifies Jesus. So that was the first talk. It was all about who he is, what he came to do, um, and that he's our helper. Do you remember that? And the second thing that they brought us was actually the Spirit brings power. That's what it says in Acts. The Holy Spirit will come with power. And we see right throughout the book of Acts incredible stories of the Holy Spirit doing such powerful, miraculous things. Jesus goes, but he says, I'm going to send someone after me. He's even more, even more amazing. It's the, it's the Spirit. And the Spirit comes in power throughout Acts. And it's the Spirit that causes the, the, the early church just to explode, isn't it? The, the early church would not have got anywhere without the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that does it. And that's what he brings. And then the, the third talk of Dave's was actually about, okay, we know who the Spirit is. We know when he came and why he came. Actually, let's talk about us and how we interact with the Spirit. And actually, it's about our ongoing dependency. So it's not that he came 2,000 years ago and we just have to kind of 
live off the fumes of that. Actually, we have an ongoing dependency on the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the word says uh, to go on being filled with the Spirit, to keep on being filled, to keep on saying, Spirit, I need you more. I need you more. To live in the power of the Holy Spirit is vitally important as Christians. Uh, he is involved in everything. Again, we read it through Acts. Everything they do is, is rooted and guided and influenced and inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that's, what, that's a very, very brief recap. The talks will go online. There's loads of material there to listen to. And I hope it uh, it'll bless you, even if you weren't there on the weekend away. So you might be thinking, okay, Dave's covered all that. What on earth are you going to add? And I was asking the same question myself this week as I was preparing. But you know what? I think there's a lot more to learn. There's, there's always more to learn about God. And actually, as I've talked with people this week even, and even on the weekend away about the Holy Spirit, you know what? So much of our conversation in the... in in New Frontiers churches, in, generally in, in charismatic churches, I would say, a lot of our conversation is dominated by our experience of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And, and how he manifests, how he comes upon us, and, and what he does in our meetings together as Christians. A lot of what we talk about is, is these encounters with the Holy Spirit, these times, these times when we get these warm and fuzzy feelings, and he might speak a word to us, or he might whisper something to us, or he might heal us, or something like that. But often we, we, we seem very concerned and caught up in, is the Spirit going to come? Is the Spirit going to move in our meeting? And actually, that's okay. You know, the Bible is full of teaching on that, because actually it's a really important thing. When the Spirit comes, incredible things happen, and we need guidance on that. We need to talk about that, how we handle that in our meetings. Uh, the Bible talks about orderly worship and, and, you know, things like tongues and prophecies and how we, how we handle those in our meeting. And, and actually, to be honest, a lot of my week has been spent talking to people about that. As people, people just, just unpick that. But, you know, no, I'm just, just, getting, just trying to learn about this. I'm just trying to understand why this happens when the Spirit comes. And so a lot of what we talk about when we talk about the Spirit is, is actually a little bit insular, a little bit within the church. And what I want to do this week is look more about what happens with the Spirit going out. I want to focus us outward because I think there's a lot more to the Holy Spirit than what happens in our meetings and what happens in our, in our small groups. And I think if we get caught up in what happens just in our church body and in our, in our own walk with God, then we're only getting a partial picture because the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to minister to us. He comes to change the world through us. And there's an outward, outward focus to the Holy Spirit. So that's what I really want to focus on this morning. The Spirit's goal the Holy Spirit does not come just to give us this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, does he? That's not what he's about. We do get amazing, amazing encounters with him. But that's not the extent of it. There's more. It is a relationship, I believe, which fires us up and sends us out to do amazing things in God. And this, this whole series that we're doing, it's called Gospel Giving Living. And it's all about how the things of God help us to then give out in the world. So we've looked, what have we looked at so far? We've looked at grace. We've looked at forgiveness. We've looked at money, generosity, and they're all things we're given by God, but they're for us to then give out, to change the world. And this is exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. We are given a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're given the person of the Spirit in our lives, but it's not just so we can enjoy a lovely friendship with the Holy Spirit. It's so that we can go out and change the world. So to help us understand that a little bit better this morning, I'm going to bring kind of three pictures, three sort of images, um, which I hope will help us a little bit. And the first one is this, champagne towers, not rubber ducks, okay? Now bear with me on this, champagne towers, not rubber ducks. Now one of the, we're going to turn to the scripture now, if, you, if, you wanna, if you've got your Bible with you, and you turn to John 7, 
and it's verses 37 to 39. It's on the screen, but I appreciate you might not be able to see it very well. I do apologize. But it says this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is a really, really important passage to understand, if we're going to understand our role as Spirit givers, okay? We see here Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. It hasn't come yet, but he's coming, and he has come now. But in this passage here, it hasn't happened yet. But Jesus says, when the Spirit comes out of the heart of the person who believes will flow rivers of living water. The Spirit lives inside of us, but he's not a stagnant pool. He's not a puddle. He's not a bucket of water. It's water that flows out of us. It's a living water, a living stream. There's an activity to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're not filled up just to sit there full and bloated but there should be a constant flowing in and out of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Well, let me, let me illustrate it. There is, I think there's a temptation and a tendency in some churches, possibly even in ours sometimes, as Dave said last week, to desire the experience of the Holy Spirit for ourselves and to run after and chase those holy moments where our spines tingle and amazing things happen and God speaks to us. And that's okay, you know, that happens a lot in Acts, but the, you know, the Spirit shows up and people get affected and it's all good. But the danger is we create a kind of spiritual hedonism, a spiritual thrill-seeking, spiritual pleasure-seeking, and that's not the limit of what God has planned for us. Because if we chase experience and encounter with no outward focus, then I, fe- I, fear, I fear that we run the risk of filling ourselves up with stagnant water. And do you know what happens then? We become rubber ducks. Rubber ducks. Those of you who are kids, or those of you who can remember as far back, you'll be familiar with bath toys, rubber ducks and things like that. And during the bath, often these toys will fill with water. Yeah? And normally, at the end of the bath, you squeeze the water out and the duck's empty again. But sometimes, I must admit, I forget to squeeze the duck out. Okay? And do you know what happens then? The water inside grows stagnant. Have you ever had that when you, you start getting all this horrible black stuff coming out of the rubber duck? You know, I was so nervous about this. I was like, I'm going to Google this and just make sure this doesn't happen in just my house and it's just us. <laughs> We've got really dirty water, really dirty rubber ducks. I'm, I'm, people, people familiar with this? It's horrible, isn't it? The, the, the water just sits inside the rubber duck and then if you leave it, it becomes stagnant and the bacteria start to grow and it gets dirty. And actually, the rubber duck is pretty useless after that because it's just manky. You know, in the moment when the water first comes into the rubber duck, it's probably lovely for the duck to be filled up with this nice, warm, soapy, bubbly water. But if that water just sits there and nothing good comes out of it, then it's going to go bad and it's soiled. And I'm not going to extend the metaphor any further than that. Cause <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully you get the picture. You know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the lives of the Christian was never meant to be something that just filled us up and just left us full and bloated. It's not what it's meant to, meant to do. Scripture tells us to go on being filled. And that's important because that suggests to us that there's going to be times, there's, there's space for more to be filled. We can't be filled to the point where there's no more that can come in. That, that implies then that water must be able to come out as well. You get me? 
A command to go on being filled makes no sense if we can reach capacity and get stuck. So put simply, we're built to leak. I know Chris used this, meeting, this analogy in the prayer meeting the other day, this image of a colander. Actually, we can look at ourselves as colanders. We're built to leak. When you pour water into us, or you pour the Spirit into us, we're built so that the Spirit can leak out and affect the world around us. And I like that analogy, but Chris isn't here, so I'm going to tell you, I don't like it that much. <laughs> it's not perfect. And often, you know, there's no perfect analogy, hence my rubber duck analogy. But so often, I think our analogies that we try and use to describe God, when we're trying to describe God, it's, it's so hard to do injustice, isn't it? It's so hard to find something that absolutely describes God. And the issue, my issue with the, with the colander analogy is it's very hard to actually ever fill a colander. There's no point where a colander gets filled full up to the top because the flow out is so fast that it just can't fill. It's, it's most, actually, most of the time it's empty, isn't it, a colander? So I've come up with a different analogy, which I, I think is a bit better. Don't tell Chris CB. But, and it's this. If you can see that, it's the champagne tower. Now, forget the fact it's a tower. It's not about hierarchy, okay? It's not about the bottom at the top being more important than the rest. But I hope you can, you can understand that what we see here is the glass at the top is always full. It's always got water pouring into it. It's always got water pouring out of it. But it is always full. You see? And I believe, I believe that's what the Spirit wants for us. He wants to keep pouring in and keep pouring in and keep pouring in so that we're always, always full of him. And yet at the same time, he wants us to keep pouring out and keep affecting the world around us and keep passing on what he's given us in his spirit. Are you with me? Does that make sense? That is how the activity of the Holy Spirit should look like in our lives. And as a church, you know, it's not about us being thrill seekers together and having a great time on our Sunday morning meetings, but keeping it all to ourselves. The spirit is what our whole vision as a church rests on. We cannot go to this city and love this city and go to the nations and love the nations without the Spirit empowering us to do that. But if we just keep it all to ourselves, we'll never do it. So that's the first picture. You might be thinking it sounds a bit weird. We leak out, but to what effect? What is the point of this leaking out? Why, why do we do it? Well, this is where the two other pictures come in. Second one is this. Proclaimers, not scaredy cats. If you're not sure who those guys on the left, it's the proclaimers and not scaredy cats. So this picture, I hope, will focus us on what, what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. Because I believe that is one of the key functions of the Holy Spirit is to transform us from scaredy cats to proclaimers. And a clear example of this is the, the disciples themselves in the early church. You know, from the moment that Jesus died to the moment he was resurrected, the disciples were absolutely flipping petrified. They were. They were. I mean, Peter had denied Jesus three times, despite telling him he'd never let him down. They'd seen their Messiah crucified and executed brutally. And they were thinking, well, we're next. We were the ones who followed him. They're going to come for us. And they were quite right. They were looking for them. So they huddled together in this upper room, hoping they'd not be discovered, just wanting to get out of Jerusalem. And they were living in absolute fear, with no hope and no power. And then... Jesus rose. Praise God, he rose on the third day. And over the next 40 days, it's amazing what Jesus does. He just spends time popping up here and there, randomly, to reassure them. And to bring them that confidence and that assurance of who he is. That he's alive and well and that the Spirit is coming. He's already spoken at length, John 14 to 16, which they've highlighted. He speaks at length there, Jesus, before his death and resurrection, that the Holy Spirit was coming. And yet, 
even when he died, they were still petrified. They still didn't quite have the faith. As, as Jay said before, you know, faith with God is it's always 100%. But actually, the disciples had lost faith. They'd lost heart. They didn't, even though Jesus had promised them before he died, when I die and I go up, someone better's coming. And yet they were hiding in this upper room, fearing for their lives and wondering how on earth they were going to get out of this mess. But in the book of, Act, book of Acts, we see the picture change dramatically. Acts 1, verses 6 to 9, Jesus says, it says this, So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is one of the moments where they're spending time with Jesus after his resurrection. And Jesus says to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus says, you will receive power. You will. It's coming. Just wait for me, and it's coming. And so that's what the disciples do. They wait, and then a few days later, we have Pentecost. And at Pentecost, there's this huge commotion, isn't there? We see the disciples speaking in tongues, we see the disciples with tongues of fire coming down. We see them praising God in these new languages. No one has a clue what's going on. And do you know what happens? These disciples have been hidden away, begging to just keep out of the way and have no attention. Suddenly, they've drawn a crowd because the spirit breaks out. The spirit breaks out and they cannot contain him. They can't keep him and they're just overwhelmed with joy. And people gather to them. And what happens? Peter the guy who denied that he even knew Jesus just 50 days earlier, stands up and preaches the absolute sermon to end all sermons. <laughs> Doesn't he? He stands up and he just gives at them both barrels. He's speaking to these Jewish guys and he's saying, you've got this badly wrong, guys. You killed the Messiah. This is Jesus and now his Holy Spirit's here and boy, you're going to get it. It's, it. It is available to you. He is the Messiah. He's here. He will change your life. He's gone from being a scaredy cat to a proclaimer. And can you imagine how scary that was for Peter? Or it would have been. It was effectively suicide for him. Later on in Acts, we see people doing similar. We see Stephen in court. And he does the same. The Spirit just moves him. And he stands up and preaches an incredible sermon. And he ends up being stoned to death. That's how dangerous it was. And yet... They do it again and again and again in Acts. How is that change from being hidden in an upper room, afraid to even come out, to standing in front of people, preaching death-defying messages? How does that come about? It's by the Spirit. It is the Spirit's power that does it. And in chapter 4, we see the disciples, again, specifically requesting help in spreading the gospel. And I love this because they've gathered together and they're talking about, um, actually, what's just happened is a couple of them have been in court. They've been, been in front of the Jewish council and they've been asked, what the heck are you doing? You're preaching all this stuff. You're, causing, you're, you're raising a rabble. There's people like giving their lives to this dead guy who we killed 50 days ago. What on earth are you doing? And they're called, hauled up in front of the authorities. They, they're... Uh, in, they are at risk of prison and death. And then they come out of this, this council and they gather together and they pray. And what do they pray for? They say this, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue 
to speak your word with boldness, all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they are prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, having just been hauled up in front of the courts, you could forgive the disciples for thinking, maybe we just tone this down a bit. <laughs> maybe this is getting a bit out of hand. Maybe maybe we're offending people. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe this is a bit dangerous. Maybe we just need to calm it down a bit. Uh-uh. Not with the power of the Holy Spirit. They, were, they asked for more. God, give us more boldness. This is amazing. We want to carry on. There are people being saved. There are people giving their lives to Jesus. We're not resting. More boldness, Spirit. Give us more because we want to affect this world. We want to give the gospel that you've given us out to this city, out to this nation. They need it, Lord. Give us more boldness. Give us more boldness. And they get it. Instead of just saying, okay, let's just turn inward. Let's just enjoy the Holy Spirit and the comfort of our own meetings. Let's just, let's just enjoy the spiritual gifts ourselves. Let's keep it to ourselves. We've got a nice group now. We've got a few thousand people. Let's just close ourselves off and stay as we are. Uh-uh. No, we want more. This gospel, Jesus has told us we're going to Jerusalem and then to Samaria and then all Judea and the ends of the earth. So we're going to keep going. Give us more boldness, Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't come just to cheer the disciples up after the loss of their master. That wasn't the role of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just come to say, guys, I know you're struggling right now. Here's a little bit of juice. Here's a little bit of something just to give you a perk up because it's tough right now. No. This Holy Spirit is the continued power and presence of their master. Empowering them and now empowering us to spread the good news of his death and resurrection and ascension and his forgiveness for all. We have all received, haven't we? Hopefully, if you're here this morning, you've received. If you haven't, it's time to pray for you at the end. You've received the good news that Jesus died for our sin to reconcile us to God, to give us a relationship with God forever, to give us eternity in heaven with him. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to go out and spread that message. Because it's not just for us, it's for the world. It's for this city. This city needs that message. It needs that message. And I don't know about you, but I'm not bold enough and strong enough in my own power and my own strength to go out and preach that message to this city. I'm not. I'm a weakling. I am. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm, I've got too many inhibitions. I've got too many things that will stop me from just going out and doing that in my own strength. I'm not that good a preacher. Honestly, I'm not. <laughs> but with the Spirit, with the Spirit, by His power, amazing things can happen. Holy Spirit takes ordinary people like Peter, like Stephen, like Philip, like the other disciples, like Paul, and turns them into people who just do amazing things. And it's the power of the Spirit. It's the outward focus of the Spirit. Okay? So the third thing. Champagne towers, not rubber ducks. Proclaimers, not scaredy cats. Finally, gift users are not gift hoarders. I don't know if you can see that there. You've got a pen knife, which is a gift to someone. On the right, you've got uh, a guy just sitting under the weight of a load of stuff that he's hoarded for all these years. 
Do you know, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common, common good. Do you see that? The manifestation of the Spirit is good. We're not saying it's not good. It is good to have the Spirit come and meet with us and manifest. That is good. But it's not all it's for. For to, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To, an, to another, faith. The gift of faith. I think Jay's got that after that word this morning. Um, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We're given these gifts. Do you know, I got a, I got a bread maker for Christmas a couple of years ago. and I'd wanted one for absolutely ages. And do you know, I had, I had three options when I got that bread maker as so to what I could do with it. You know, I could get that bread maker and I could have never opened the box. I could have slung it in the garage with all the other junk in there and there's a lot of junk in my garage. And I could have just left it. And none of us would have enjoyed the bread. It would have just sat there, wasted, unused, unopened, completely pointless. Or I could have opened it and I could have baked a load of bread, but just for me. I could have, you know what, this is my bread maker, my bread. You're not having it. I could fill the house with all these beautiful smells of freshly baked bread and then said to Debbie and the kids, not having any. This is mine, I made it. It's my bread. Or, and this is the one I did choose, you'll be glad to know. I could use it, I could bake the bread, I could share it with my friends and my family and bless them with it. And you know what, it's similar with spiritual gifts. You know, we can close ourselves off. And there are some churches, some stranger church, where they do close it off. They do say, you know, actually, the gifts of the Spirit, especially the, the charismatic gifts of the Spirit, the, the things like healing and, and tongues and prophecy they're done with God gave them at one time but they're not for now we're going to close ourselves off to that we're not going to use them you can do that if you want that's that's what some people do and that what, what happens you, you don't get the benefit of the gift yourself and the body doesn't get the benefit of that gift or you can believe in the gifts you can say no I do believe they carry on I do believe they uh, they're for today and you might even know what your gift is. You might even know, do you know what? I've, I've got a gift of prophecy. God's given me a gift of prophecy. Or God's given me gift of tongues. And you can say, do you know what? I've got that gift, but I'm just not comfortable using it. I, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't feel particularly bothered about it. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to infringe on people. I don't want to upset people. I'm a bit, bit nervous about bringing it because it might, it might say the wrong thing. Or it just wasn't the right time. And you make excuses. And we have these gifts and they just lie dormant and unused. And they go to waste. Or we can minister in our gifts. And we've all got gifts. 
And some of them are amazing and miraculous and, and they're brilliant people with the amazing gifts of prophecy and tongues and healing. And there's people who've got some of the less miraculous gifts, but it doesn't mean there are any lesser gifts. And we use those gifts. And we use those gifts for the body and we use those gifts to minister to people outside of the church. You know, the gift of healing, again, it's not so we can just have a big party in church or someone in church got healed. We should be out there on the streets. If we've got the gift of healing... We need to be out there using it and showing people. You know, the miraculous gifts are a sign to people that God is who he says he is. We need to step out and minister in our gifts. And the disciples did it in the early church. It means being brave. It means taking risks. It means bringing words and pictures to people. And it means stepping out. My word, the results are incredible when we do that. You know, the disciples, we, I think Dave mentioned last week when he was speaking, they probably walked past this guy on, on the gate. The, what was the gate called? Beautiful. beautiful Gate, thank you. I thought you just called me Beautiful there, Kathy. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Made me blush now. Um, they walked past this gate, Beautiful, the Beautiful Gate, and they'd probably seen this blind beggar there every single day. For years. They, they were no strangers to the, to the temple and the temple courts. They would have seen this guy every single day for years. And then one day, spirit prompts them. Pray for that guy. I want to heal him. So they step out. Step out in front of people, in front of everyone. This guy who's begged every day of his life. And they pray for him, and he's healed. Do you think that was easy for them to do? Do you think they set off that morning and thought, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to go out and we're going to heal it. I don't think they did. I think, I think it was literally the spirit uttered to them. Let's do it. And they obeyed. And they could have looked stupid, you know. They might have prayed for him, nothing happened. And then how stupid would they look? But they trusted God. They trusted what Jay said. Faith, 100%. If you've heard from God, he's promised something. 100%. It'll happen. And what about Philip? With the Ethiopian eunuch. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because what the the Bible doesn't tell you, it, it hints at it. But that story, we believe, prompted, effectively, revival in Ethiopia. Because the guy who, we've got this eunuch uh, in, a, in his chariot reading scripture, but not understanding it. And it says in the Bible, it says that Philip just felt prompted by the Spirit to just go and speak to him and say, do you know what you're reading here? Let me explain it to you. Prompted by the Spirit. Again, not an easy thing to do. This guy was an important guy. And by doing this, Philip stepping out and saying, by the way, I'm one of these weird Christian people. But he did it. He stepped out. And he used his gift to say, Look, this is what this means. And the guy is saved and he takes the gospel back to Ethiopia. And the whole nation is reached with the gospel. So when we step out and we use the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, incredible things happen. We are to be a church, Freedom Church Liverpool, that operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just in our meetings on a Sunday morning. Not just in our life groups, not just in our other gatherings together, not just in our prayer meetings. The Holy Spirit isn't for those warm and fuzzy times just where we all gather together and enjoy him together. He's there for that partly, but he's there for so much more. He wants to empower us on a mission to this city and on a mission to this nation and on a mission to many other nations. Do you hear that this morning? We need to grasp, we need to grasp that we are called to be Spirit givers. People who leak. People who are perpetually filled by the Spirit, but who perpetually leak it out. Leak him out. 
to bring to others. Because as we do that, that is the only way. The only way we can fulfill our vision as a church. The only way we can fulfill the great commission that Jesus gives us to go out and make disciples of the nation. The only way we can do it is by the Spirit and his power and his leading. And when we don't hoard it, when we don't just keep it to ourselves, when we don't make it insular, when we, when we actively look at how we can minister to people inside and outside of the church, I believe we'll see amazing things happen. Our city cannot be changed without a significant move of the Spirit. Our church cannot grow without a significant move of the Spirit. We can do nothing as a leadership team without the Spirit's power and guidance. We can do nothing as a church without exercising the spiritual gifts that we're being given. It is absolutely crucial and it's simple. It's very, very simple. But absolutely vital. And so often, you know, the thing that challenged me most about what Dave brought is there is a man who knows what it is like and has lived it to depend on the Spirit. And I looked at him and I listened to him and I was like, man, I've got this wrong. He's <laughs> saying, look, every day... I start the day by saying, Spirit, I need your help. <laughs> Spirit, I can't do this without you. Spirit, will you empower me? Will you give me your gifts? Will you help me to use my gifts today? Because I cannot do it without you. And do you know what? All too often, most days, I neglect to do that. And I operate in my power. And I operate in my strengths. And I can do some stuff in that. I do some. But it's not going to change the city. It's not going to change the world. I can try all my might and try with all my strength to do as much as I can for God. But if I don't rely on the Holy Spirit, there's a very, very short limit of how far I can go. And that really convicted me, and, and not in a gracious way, of, wow, I've been missing out. How much more can God do through me if I just say, God, I can do nothing. Will you do it through me? Will you empower me? And I hope people who were there and people who are hearing it today, I hope you'd get that same challenge today. The amount we can do, the amount God can do with a group of willing hearts, a group of open hearts, a group of people who say, Lord, I can't, but you can. Will you fill me? Is incredible. And I really do believe if we grasp this church, if we grasp this, if we hold on to it, if we contend for it, and if we get into the habit, and it is just habit, it's discipline. It's simple as that to just, it takes 30 seconds at the start of a day. Look, God, fill me again. Fill me again so that I leak. Fill me again with your power so that I can do great things for you. It's as simple as that. And yet how often, if we're honest, do we do it? I know I don't. Not anywhere near enough. I do it on the really tough days. But on other everyday days, I don't. Quite often. I hold my hands up. I ask for forgiveness because I should be doing it more. But you know what? I'm really challenged by what they brought. I'm really challenged. I'm really excited, actually. You know, we've got so far, and the Spirit has moved, and the Spirit has led us to this place. But I just believe he's saying there is so much more. So, so, so much more. So much more. So much more. If you just ask, if you just humble yourselves, and that's the key, humble yourselves, Humble ourselves and ask. Ask and I will give the nations to you. Ask and you will receive. 
and then go out and make disciples.